Hello everyone, it's Gavin here from Films on Trial, travelling from the future back into the past. Just want to say thank you very much to everybody who has listened and please continue to do so because honestly guys, we do get better and better as the weeks go on. So thank you very, very much and goodbye. everyone and welcome again to Films on Trial. I'm Gavin. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Joel. Oh, that was seamless. Well done guys. Uh, we are four lads from Liverpool who just sit around and review films. You could say we are the Reviewtons. Yeah, that's right. I'm going through all of the Liverpool bands and putting a film review spin on them uh, and running out already. Is that, just to be clear, the Zootons? It was the Zootons, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I reached the peak last week with the Frankie Reviews Hollywood. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so, so this week's film is The Hangover. Um, right, I won't get into too much detail about the film itself. We'll leave that for the main part of the podcast. Okay, now on to one of the more regular parts of the show. Uh, this is the news. Uh, so with this, we go around in a circle and each one of us speaks about a newsworthy topic that's happened over the last week. Dave, can I start with you? What has happened of interest in your world? Yeah, well, I want to talk about Sony Home Entertainment who have announced they're going to be censoring uh, some popular films. They're going to be hacking out about 20 to 24 minutes of certain classic films which they're going to re-release as clean versions alongside the originals when you buy them on iTunes or download them through any other stores. So it brings the, uh, the idea of censorship into the light a little bit. There's certain films like Ghostbusters, which are going to be edited, Easy A, a couple of others as well. I think it's about 24. Wow. So where, where are they going to start with this? Is Inglorious Bastards going to be known as Inglorious? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of other films with swear words in the title, to be honest. I think there's some films that just they won't be able to show at all. Yeah. I mean, Deadpool, for example. I mean, how are they going to edit that at all to make a clean version of that? I mean, yeah. I don't know what films are going to... Well, Ghostbusters then? I mean... Um, does anything uh, happen really? in Ghostbusters that would deem the original it to... or the, the I think it's maybe just some of the Bill Murray jokes they may have to cut out maybe a couple that they think are a little close to the bone but it's caused a bit of a debate I mean some people are saying it's a terrible idea it's like you know it's, you're taking away people's artistic integrity other people say it's a good idea it means parents will be able to watch more films with their kids but it's up for debate. Parents should have to suffer. They should have to watch all the garbage like Pepper the Pig and Bob the Builder until the children come of age and then they can start watching Scarface. <laughs> but not until then. You can't introduce like a, a heavily edited 20-minute version of Scarface to no, a child no. just because it doesn't have any swear words or <laughs> drugs in. I think it's really worrying as well. I mean, what's the criteria? Who's judging? What's clean? What's... I don't know. It's, you know, mm. what sort of... Cra- you know, would religion start coming into it? What jokes can be made? It's a very, very tricky area. So yeah. I, I, no, I'm really uncomfortable. It's a slippery slope. It's a bit yeah, in very it? slippery slope, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, so Alex, what is, uh, what's your news topic of the week? Well, I just saw today that Cowboy Bebop, um, the Japanese anime series, it's a cult hit, is going to have a live-action remake, and I had a very sort of mixed feeling about this, to Ooh. be honest. I didn't know if it was... I didn't know how I felt, I didn't know if I was really happy about it or was a bit worried about it. I do love Cowboy Bebop, and so I'd be... I don't know... I would gonna... like to see it, but part of me just wants to just cherish it as it is, maybe, and just move on, but I do love the idea. I, I like... As I love Fly- Firefly, the Joss Whedon series, I love um, like the idea of mixing up space and western. As a, I really like that idea, so it might, it could be. It's a TV, actually no, sorry, it's a TV show. 
which does make me feel a bit better about it. So, oh, is it? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I, I'm a bit ignorant. I've never watched it before. Um, am I to assume that all the characters are Japanese? Uh, uh, well, yes. I mean, it's Japanese language, so, yes. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm just thinking if it's anything like Ghost in the Shell or the kind yeah. of uh, occurrence of whitewashing in cinema. Like Old Boy and yeah. Yeah, The Ring. I yeah. can imagine it kind of turning into, as you said... Uh, like kind of a Josh Whedon feel to it, but maybe Cowboy Bebop starring uh, I don't I don't know like Nathan Fillion or yeah, Cal McLachlan no, or no. you know, so and it would lose that sort of yeah yeah no it would yeah yeah I don't know it, the cast is key to it basically it's yeah. really key to it so hopefully they won't hopefully they can be brave and you know keep true to the original but I would be surprised if they did so. yeah I I, th- I think I mean when it comes to remaking. Um, foreign cinema in Hollywood um, there's always that thought by producers that oh well uh, uh, um, the American audience won't mm. want to watch the original because there's subtitles involved or because you know they can't relate to any of the characters so we'll do a remake of it starring uh, an American actor that everybody yeah. knows and I think that that's what they do so many times especially with the remakes of, of anime um, yeah. they all seem to star American um, actors or actresses in the title roles just because you know, you know American audiences they know them or they know Scarlett Johansson from the Avengers stuff you know so yeah. people will come and watch it because she's in it but the thing is is that it's not targeted for an, an average audience it's not targeted for the Avengers it's targeted for what should be targeted for the uh, fans of the anime you know, to be honest though I'm, I, I wish things weren't targeted I wish they just made things to be honest yeah. I just wish it was like I wish it wasn't quite so cynical just remake it do it well do a good script get a cast and just see where the chips lie I feel like the worry, oh, constant worrying about you know oh are these people going to like it just, just make it make it good and see what happens I, I think it gets ruined when you can feel the Executive puppet strings in the background of the mm. film. So, well, I think they they do that, but it's called indie cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so, Joel, what's your news point of the week? <clears throat> yep. So, uh, Derek Kolstad is returning to write the third film of John Wick. So he wrote the first two, <coughs> um, and quite often, obviously, they, they change the writer up if there's if it's going to be a franchise or a cinema or something like that. But he is returning for the first. Uh, sorry, he is returning for the third. And also, although it's not entirely new, um, there's a possibility that they're doing a prequel TV series as well, uh, which is set before, uh, which is set before the film. So I reckon that could be uh, pretty interesting. It's just kind of about all the, um, you know, kind of assassins and all the jobs and stuff that he does before the films. Because obviously the film picks up um, where he's kind of like retired. Pro- so pr- problem for me a little bit is John Wick Two. I enjoyed it. But I thought one of the problems in it was it was trying to explain the backstory a little bit too much, and I didn't really need it explaining. To be honest, I quite liked in John Wick. Mm. It was all well, you, know, think, you could pick uh, it up. The, the, when I looked at it online, they said they weren't sure. Uh, well, just like I mentioned, then they wanted to make a prequel for the uh, TV show. They weren't sure if they wanted to put a bit of prequel, you know, kind of feel to the second one. So right. I think that kind of comes through in there a little bit. It kind of felt to me like they were holding off on a lot of stuff for the third film, mm. so it kind of felt like the, the second film was was kind of just treading water. It was a bit sort of like, oh, um, we're going to explain the backstory a bit, and we're going to have loads of scenes of uh, Keanu Reeves going down corridors, shooting people in the face, um, but uh, don't worry, it'll all be explained in the third film. Um, so, I mean, by, by the end, you realise that it was going to be a trilogy, 
but while you're yeah. watching it, you're kind of like, mm, where's this going? This yeah. is kind of spending a, a bit too long. Stretched out a little. Yeah. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I thought kind of was going down multiple corridors, shooting people in the face was great. That's what we went for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly what we went for. But... I mean, he, he was badass in that film. Yeah. Um, so my news topic of the week is that the uh, production studio who owns the rights to Hellboy have decided to scrap plans for a third Guillermo del Toro film and instead go for a reboot, which means that it will no longer be played by uh, Ron Perlman, but instead they've cast David Harbour, who is the, the police detective from uh, the TV show Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Dave, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm disappointed there's not going to be another Guillermo del Toro film, to be honest with you. I thought he'd done a good job. I mean, Hellboy 2 wasn't great, mm-hmm. but I still thought he put out a certain artistic style to it that mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very hard to replicate. I think it's a shame he's not doing another mm-hmm. one. I think you'll miss him won't you, when you see when you watch the. I can't to be honest for me just the word reboot now is just is killing me. But I think when you go if if I go and see the reboot, I'll, I think I'll just be missing Guillermo del Toro. Really. Yeah, I think um, it, it'll take a while as well to kind of think of somebody else as Hellboy because mm. I think Ron Perlman deleted them yeah. all so much. Um, but uh, you know, to David Harbour, he's, he's I, I, I like him. He's a good actor. I've seen before. Uh, he's very good at playing Bostonian police detectives. Um, <laughs> everything I've seen him in, he seems to be playing uh, a police officer from Boston. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can do Hellboy, that, uh, I don't know, isn't Bostonian or a police detective. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it'll be interesting anyway. I mean, I think they needed to do something with it um, because they were at risk of losing the rights. Um, oh, so is this just a film to make sure they can keep the... I think so. Pretty much like um, the Fantastic Four, the yeah. most recent one of them. It's it's one of those things that if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. Um, I just kind of hoped that they would have tried for a third film, seeing if you know Guillermo del Toro could have wrapped up the trilogy. But you know, I'm optimistic anyway. It could be good. Okay, so now on to our trailer or poster of the week. Uh, I, I know I said about President last week when I called it the shit trailer or post of the week. Uh, I'm going to be more open-minded this time around and I will accept any decent ones. But I'm going to ask the guys, has there been a poster or trailer that has been released this week that has taken anybody's fancy? Um, Dave, uh, any thoughts? Well, since you've asked, I <laughs> did see the poster for Black Panther that's just come out this week. Obviously, it's going to be a big summer blockbuster. Uh, the poster's coming for a bit of flack, to be honest with you, online. What, what, what's it like? I mean, what is it, I mean, it's pretty basic, to be honest with you. It's essentially Chadwick Boseman in a chair. If that mm. doesn't scream superhero action, I don't know what does. Yeah, uh, I, I have seen that poster. Um, it is very, very heavily CGI'd, which is, which is my main gripe with it. Um, and the fact that it is just him sat in a, in a throne. I like I have a bit of an issue just generally as well because like I don't know most superheroes as well as you guys, but like is it got any connection to the actual Black Panthers? Like, does the film have anything? I mean, does the character um, is he a Black Panther? No, no, he's he's uh, from a fictitious African country. Um, I can't remember what what the name of the country is to be honest. Um, no, but, I don't uh, but he, uh, I can't even remember what his backstory is. He, he finds a, a rare jewel or something. He's he's basically a prince okay. um, that is given the power um, to transform, not physically, but kind of um, through emotion mm. uh, and physicality into a black panther or just a panther. 
Okay. Uh, so, I mean, the, the, the red black in, in the title is unnecessary, it, to be it honest. It is funny you mention the Black Panthers, though, because people have drawn similarities between that and the picture of, I think is it Huey P. Newton, I want to say, uh, who Found was it. one of the founders of the Black Panthers. Apparently, there is a very similar picture of, of Huey him. P. sitting down as well. S- sitting down, as Huey P. was known to do. <laughs> he did, <laughs> he did yeah. enjoy a good sit. He could stand as well, so mm-hmm. I guess if there'd been a picture of him standing, maybe they would have yeah, yeah. possibly made that connection as well. Yeah, there have been some, uh, there have been a bit of a, there's been a bit of backlash. So, so uh, is, is the picture like strikingly similar, or is it just a picture of him sitting on a chair that somebody's linked? It is just him sitting in a chair. It looks like a, a chair he, with a wicker back, which Chadwick Boseman is not sat in. Huey P. Newton is holding He's holding gun. guns, isn't he? Yeah. He's holding a gun yeah. in one hand, and he's holding what looks like a, a harpoon or a spear of some kind of description. So, in the other, Chadwick Boseman is right. holding nothing. Mm, okay. But the arm placement is similar, but... They're both sat. You'd have to be very familiar with that original photo to draw this parallel. So it's a bit of a stretch then, it's yeah. It's a bit of a stretch, I'd say. I mean, my my issue is, is, is the name of the superhero itself being Black Panther because, as you said, it has nothing to do with the Black Panther movement. I, I find it a bit confusing. I find the whole yeah. thing, yeah. Well, well, to me, just just the name Black Panther is is a bit much, to be honest. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not like uh, as I was saying before, it, it Batman. It's not called Black Batman. It's just <laughs> Batman. You know, I don't understand why it can't be Panther or Panther Man. Well, you know, he, he yeah. should have been Black Batman. <laughs> Black yeah, Batman. Black and so Panthers. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 it it sounds like a superhero that should have possibly stayed. But I mean, it was when was it made? Seventies. I'm getting. You know, this the the, the character. Mm. Mm. No, you're asking possibly. Yeah. Sure, possibly. Yeah. So might have best stayed back in that decade. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, obviously they've made it. They've thought this through, haven't they? But, well, and no, to be honest, I mean the character was one of the standout parts of Civil War for me. To be honest, I thought Chadwick Boseman did an absolutely great job. Uh, portraying the character as well um, I uh, I will admit that I didn't know that much about the character going into the film so watching it um, you know f- to be in such a big ensemble piece and stand out that much I thought was a, a pretty good achievement uh, I thought him and Tom Holland as Spider-Man were probably the, the two best parts of that film so I am actually really looking forward to watching it uh, my main gripe with the poster was just how heavily CGI'd it was and my main issue with the film itself or the character is just the name, which I think is just a bit irrelevant. Uh, as you said, you know, probably harks back to the 1970s and it could have updated it a little bit, possibly. Mm. Touch on the nose. Maybe. Mm, yeah. Okay, this week's film is The Hangover. I'm going to be judging this one. I believe we've got Alex in defence, mm-hmm. we've got Joel in prosecution and we've got Gavin as a impartial character witness, just basically giving his honest opinion on the film as we go along. Okay, so the film, essentially, it's a comedy film centering around four friends that go to Las Vegas on a bachelor party. They wake up the following morning, having taken some stuff they weren't meant to be taking, and they've lost one of them. The groom has gone missing, and the three of them are trying to piece things together from the night they've forgotten to try and find out where their friend is. Okay, so, should we start with Alex? Do you want to open up? Okay, yeah, so, that, I mean, The Hangover, it was uh, hugely successful when it came out. It sort of started off um, a, a different sort of... Uh, a new part of comedy, I think. I think comedy was getting a little bit blockbuster. Comedy was getting a bit stale. The Hangover really freshened up Hollywood comedy. It's just constantly surprising. This film. It's got a really good pace that it keeps up throughout the film. So we're not sort of, you know, we're not stopping. It's it just keeps it going all the time. There's lots of laughs. There's lots of surprises. And um, yeah, no, it's just uh, it sort it sets out what it means to do, which is just to make people laugh. You know, that that's that's the I. I, I also just like the concept it's a really good concept which I, I was surprised actually hadn't been done before the idea of people being hung over sorting events out 
So I think actually, uh, yeah, no, the the Hangover is a uh, it's it's it does exactly what it sets out to do. It does what it says on the tin. It's comedy, and it's uh, and it's a very good one. Okay, so you say fresh, fast paced, fresh, good fast comedy paced, film. good comedy film. Yeah. Oh, you're prosecuting. Any objection? <laughs> well, I mean, if you if you like films that where you don't care like about consequences or just an insane amount of plot holes, then yeah, I mean, you could probably say. Um, you know it is a great film, but the, the, I mean, there's so much. Even if you pick on stuff from the from the start, like um, you know Zach Galifianakis's character, um, you know he's kind of got like Rain Man like skills. He goes to the casino and just wins, however amount it was like fifty grand or yeah. something, just in a night. Um, but then it, when you start thinking about it, you think there's so much more stuff as well. Um, for example, um, you know what. They wake up and there's a tiger in the room, and when they take that tiger back to Mike Tyson, they hide it in like a lunch trolley on the way out. But obviously, nobody saw them bring the tiger in. Um, and also, you know, is it a tame tiger? Did it not attack any of them or anything like that? Uh, then on top of that as well, you've got things like you know they wake up and the hotel is absolutely trashed. Like if that was real life, um, not that it has to be exactly true to real life, but if it was real life, there'd be like major consequences from that. Um, then you've got things like, you know, stealing a cop car. You know, if there was, like, a cop car riding along the streets of Las Vegas, like, on the pavement, you'd you'd get some attention from, like, the real police. Um, whereas that just kind of doesn't happen. It just seems to be, like, a lot of the kind of things that happen in this film, there's next to zero consequences. I mean, yeah, they do get arrested, but then um, they kind of put, like, a, a comedic spin on it. They get, like, tasered in the face and all that type of stuff, which is fine. Uh, but you know, when they get back home, would they not get um, you, know, you know hit with all these bills? And the next one, they should technically all be kind of bankrupt or uh, you know living in prison or on the streets or something like that. So I think there's just a you know I, I understand the fact that it's a it's a comedy film um, and you're not going to take it too seriously. Uh, but there is a hell of a lot of kind of plot holes there if you actually look at it properly. Yeah, no, I do. Like on reflection, yeah, there are huge plot holes. I mean, everything you've just said, yeah, I mean, it's totally right. But I think the thing you've got to remember with The Hangover is the first time you watch it. it you, know, I, you know, I know I'm defending it, but it's good re-watching it, but it's not as good because the whole, the, the main joy of the film are these surprises that are constantly happening. And it keeps it just about sensible where you don't start thinking this is just absolute nonsense and anything can happen. It keeps it just in the realms of possibility that, yes, they could get a tiger somehow into the hotel and, yeah, they could put it in a trolley and drive around with it in a car. You know, obviously it's ridiculous that none of those things will happen, but it just manages to keep it just just up to that line without becoming completely out of the realm of possibility. And yet, you just I think the, the best way to remember the film is when you first saw Zach Galifianakis going to the toilet. I think it was him. Was it? Was it? Right? Yeah, turning round and seeing the Tiger. You know, that is just that is just a, a really shocking, surprising bit that sort of just sets the film off. Where you know anything can happen. You know, if it was what if it was a comedy film where things have to happen in real life, then it would not have been as enjoyable, I suppose. And, uh, you know, they have to take a bit of licence with it. And I think they pulled it off just. They took it right up to the line, but they pulled it off. Okay, I want to hear from the man without an agenda on this one. (laughs) Joel says it's nonsensical, there's plot holes. Alex says, yeah, they're there, but they just about get away with it. What do you think, Gav? I think that's the first time I've ever been called the man without an agenda. (laughs) (laughs) I've always got an agenda, I've always got an ulterior motive. Um, I've probably have to side with Joel a bit on this. Um, actually, I'm quite on the fence. I can see what Alex is talking about. Um, however, 
I mean, I've seen a fair few films before where they've done a similar concept. You know, sort of um, the, the the lad's trip to Las Vegas goes awry, and kind of um, dealing with the consequences afterwards. Uh, it's probably one of the better ones that I've seen with that um, storyline. Um, and you know, as Alex said, the comedy is fresh. I mean, at the time when you were thinking about big blockbuster comedies. Um, they, I mean, the Hangover made an absolute ton of money. It was, you know, well into the hundreds of millions, um, and that was refreshing at that time for a, a big blockbuster comedy film. Um, but I'm going to have to side with Joel, I think, because the plot holes are massive. You could drive a bus through most of them. But were you aware of them as it was happening at the time you were watching the film? Did you think? hang on a minute, that's ridiculous to have a tiger in a room. Or were you just thinking, yeah, there's a tiger in this film? You know, like, get in. Uh, so, I mean, to be honest, the first time I watch it, I, I do hold a lot of, uh, you know, suspension of the disbelief. Yeah. But there are some things that you watch and you go, well, that's stupid, but you can kind of get over it. Yeah. Um, I mean, so watching it for the very first time, I, I did have your sort of mindset where I saw these things and it was like, well... Don't overthink them. But when you watch it again, like when yeah. we watched it, uh, it to review this, it was a bit sort of, oh, actually, that that's a bit stupid, that. Yeah, but um, it is post the fact, the pace of the film. I mean, you know, we almost agree the pace is really well done in this film. You know, it just keeps up the tempo. Without going into overdrive, it keeps the tempo, and you just don't have time to really question too much because the next thing's happening the next thing's happening so yeah no, I, you know I do see there are huge wouldn't def- you know can't defend it on the potholes but the pace of the film can we agree on that that the pace is yeah well I mean the comedy films are what that they're under two hours aren't they so they've, they've got to cram it all into that into that time frame but I think these they kind of find problems as quickly as they solve them and you don't really kind of ever end up being major problems. Um, so I think that's, 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 you know, something to consider as well. Yeah. Gav, interjection? Uh, one of the things I did like, actually, is, is that when you go to see a comedy film nowadays, um, you've pretty much already seen it just by watching the trailer. Um, there's about five or six big comedic set pieces in it, um, and they're all kind of shown on the trailer, so by the time you actually get into the scene mm, to watch yeah. it, they've already kind of been spoiled for you. Yeah. Uh, with this, there was a lot more to it than that. Um, it felt like there was more than just the usual kind of four or five punchlines. Um, I, I did think that there was like a lot of ad-libbing going on, which was quite good. Um, and, the, you know, as you said, the comedy felt fresh as well. Um, it was all lad-based humour, though. Um, yeah. So a lot of it relied on kind of like dick jokes, um, which after a while gets very stale um, but overall uh, yeah I thought you know it was it, it was good the, the pace was good as you said um, but yeah it's, uh, yeah, I'm on the fence for that one okay well now let's talk about the characters I know that was a topic people wanted to discuss so the characterisation a comedy film there's not going to be action set pieces there's not going to be special effects it's got to be driven by how believable the characters are how likeable these characters are Alex, do you want to open on this one? Yeah, I'm just going to start with Zach Galifianakis as Alan because, uh, you know, it, it's... I, I think basically... You know, I, I think there probably was a script for Alan, but I think you've got to give most of the juice to Zach Galifianakis. You know, he really carries this film for me. You know, it's, 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 it's a new character that I think was emulated a lot by Zach Galifianakis himself, but in, in other films. You know, the, the, the character of Alan is really, really, good, really, really well done. You know, it's, it, he interjects... 
interesting plot points. You know, there's, there's that air of uncertainty about what's going to happen, what, how he's going to react to things. And actually, he actually introduces quite a lot of like pathos. You actually feel sorry for him. He inter- introduces something really key to the film, which is you sort of care a little bit. You know, he just brings up the feelings of loneliness, the feelings of being together in a group, which really ties the film together. So, you know, for me, you know, I thought the rest of the cast did a good job. But Zach Galifianakis made this film for me, and you know, I, I, I don't think anyone could argue with that. Joel, would you like to argue with that? <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, I, I wouldn't like to argue with it, but I think the, there's two sides to that coin, and that is pretty much all the comedy comes through, comes through that character. Um, you know, the other char- none of the characters are bad. Maybe Doug, the guy who was, uh, you know, the groom, mm. um, he has about kind of three lines on screen. Um, you kind of left thinking, you know, he's kind of like just a, in there just for the sake of it, you know, to, to be part of that group. But too much of the comedy, I would say, uh, you know, goes through Zach and I just think, um, you know, they missed maybe some opportunities to, to develop some of the other characters. And I just think as well, um, you know, Gav brought it up before, it's very kind of orientated for the lads. They've all got this attitude as, you know, uh, we just don't need the hassle of, of chicks and women type of thing. Um, you know, which is kind of uh, you know evident throughout the film, really. Um, and it's something you know maybe you don't pick it up the first time you watch it, but um, when you see it, when you see it again, and when you watch it again, I, I, you know I don't know how many times I've watched it now, probably ten. Um, but you know it, it comes out more and more each time you watch it. And you know as I say, I don't think the bad characters. I just think um, there's bits and bobs in there definitely which uh, become more evident as as you watch it muddy waters to be honest um, I mean I'm trying to like kind of think of positives but um, I thought the kind of the, the black characters in it um, were all criminals um, I mean you know Brad um, Brad um, is the main guy anyway so uh, the, the first one that they are introduced to is a criminal the rest of them are uh, Mike Tyson's heavies um, the Asian character in it it seems like a bit of a bad stereotype um, and the female characters in it are really really poorly written to be honest um, there's Ed Helms' wife or, or fiance I should say um, she was like kind of a brunette um, sort of with glasses so she has to be a bit of a um, kind of a, a horror she's you know really sort of a, a bit of a, 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 a shrew yeah shrew is a good word yeah um, <laughs> And <laughs> you're supposed to be yeah, defensive. <laughs> and the other character was Heather Graham, who was the stripper, who was supposed to be, uh, well, she was blonde, obviously, so she's fun and bubbly. Um, but she's an exotic dancer, and um, everyone refers to her as, as, a, as a whore and a slut throughout, to be honest. Even the guy that she's just married. Um, there's another character in it who's Eastern European, who um, actually says the line. Uh, when speaking to one of his assistants, he slaps her on the arse and says, uh, women, um, nothing between the ears but great arse. Um, so, I mean, to me, it was the characters themselves, um, I, I think a lot of it maybe might have been the actors trying to bring something forward, for the, the first three anyway, the, the, the top three actors uh, or stars in it, and the rest of it was just very kind of like filler. It was, it was poorly written, I'd say. 
But oh, I mean that night. So I, I've, I've tried to be impartial, but that's just mm-hmm. that's just my opinion on it. Okay, so some of the superfluous characters could be construed as racist or sexist. Alex, you, you're okay with that? <laughs> <laughs> you like defends the uh, the sexist uh, and racist charges that Gabba's level. Uh, no, I can't. Uh, like I, I'm not going to disagree with the the truth of what Gav said. You know, you know, but I don't think you can when you watch the film and you know look, looking at it closely. Yeah, there are caricatures and stuff. But this is a this is a bit of a thoughtless film, and this is where the joy of the hangover comes in. It is a, it is these characters are you know you said themselves the characters are caricatures, even the male ones. It you know some people might find you know some of us in the room maybe you know <laughs> might find that yeah that some of the caricatures of women, caricatures of certain ethnicities uh, are a little bit you know they're they're more prominent because it's like oh really, but. Everyone's a caricature. This is a film about caricature. It's not a film about an in-depth look at, you know, people. There's no real... You know, I think if it got bogged down too much in actual sort of, you know, characters' stories too much, you'd lose some of the joy of it. You'd lose that pace and stuff. So, I'm, you know, I can't defend it on those things, but I would just say that this isn't a, this isn't a thoughtful film, and that's part of its charm. <laughs> okay, right, well, I'm going to ask for closing statements. Just try and wrap this one up. Give me an idea of how I'm going to judge this film, whether it's good, whether it's bad. So, Joel, I've not heard from you for a while. Would you like a closing statement? A lad's holiday. Um, you know, over here in Europe, we've got, like, uh, Magaluf and all that type of stuff. I think that's pretty much uh, where the lads go. Um, you know, what's, what happens in Vegas, that type of thing. Um, so I think that's pretty much been done to death. But, you know, just closing arguments. Um, I th- just to kind of summarise what I've said, really, you know, the characters are relatively poorly written um, there are obviously good bits within them and um, you know just the whole kind of plot really I think to ha- for me to, for a comedy to be really successful um, you have to kind of care about the characters and you have to kind of uh, you know follow the story where they're going and that type of thing and um, I just didn't really get that feeling with this film you know the kind of uh, all the stuff that was happening actually mattered because as I said earlier um, you know, there would be like actual consequences for ninety-five percent of the stuff that happened. That all be broke or in prison or one thing or another, and you know, you, it's just not really relatable, is what I would say at the end of the day. Okay, so Alex, any argument? Yeah, I just I'd urge everyone to remember the first time they the first time they watched it. You know, Joel, you said you've seen it ten times. It will start getting, you know, it's not going to be as fresh anymore. And the, the joy of the film is those surprises that just keep coming all of the way through it, you know. There's just tons of them, you can't even really remember them all. So, yeah, just, you know, it's, it's, you can't really judge this film. It's not going to be the same when you are thinking about it after you've watched it. You know the tiger's going to be there, you know what's happening next. You know, just remember that first joyful watch you had where you're just, you're just so happy. <laughs> So happy. <laughs> <laughs> long lost. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gavin, would you like to add anything to either of these arguments? Um, yeah, I mean, actually, I, I agree with both in ways. I do think it is a funny film. Um, if you look at it for what it is, you know, a lads' film. Um, you know, you're not going to have, as you said, really deep, uh, rich characters. Um, you're not going to have like these massive kind of. Uh, set pieces or like a really in-depth script it's just what it is it's a lad's comedy and for what it is it is funny and um, as you said Zach Allen Gnappas in it I think is a revelation I think he was hilarious in it to be honest 
Um, and the setting as well, I really, I really liked. Um, it, it being in Las Vegas, it kind of it, it brought Las Vegas alive a bit. I know what Joel said before, it's like sort of been there, done that. There's so many other films that have done the kind of stag weekend in Las Vegas, uh, but it didn't, to me, feel like it was, you know, treading water. It didn't feel like it was just the same rehash. Um, but as I said before, um, I think what really lets the film down is, is the characters. Uh, I know that it is a, a lads' film, but I do think that there could have been a little bit more effort spent on a couple of the superhero's characters, especially the women. Um, and you know, to kind of hammer that point home about it being sort of borderline sexist, the fact that we have Mike Tyson in it who's glorified throughout. Uh, being a convicted rapist as well, so it's sort of. Uh, I know you know he, he's celebrated as, as uh, being a you know heavyweight boxer. <laughs> he but, did uh, other stuff. You know, yeah, he, he did, did do other stuff. stuff but, you know, big, yeah, yeah. It kind of just it, to me it hammered the point of you know the sort of the sexism uh, under underlying the film. No, I see your points. So I suppose it's judgment time. Mm. Um, well, you just said you can't really judge this film. I kind of have to. And. <laughs> got to say, I see the arguments and I know exactly what you're saying about the sexism and potential racism elements. It is quite cringeworthy at points throughout that film. But overall, you've got to judge it on this is a comedy film, is it funny? And ultimately, the answer is yes. It is, it is actually very fresh. It did try and do something new and it is overall a very funny film. And although I don't think the street writers should really be uh, too proud of themselves, given some of the characterisation, I'm going to chalk it up to a hit. This could be the first one on the list. Yeah. <laughs> well so me. we've actually got a film on the hit list. We've actually got a film on the hit list. Yeah. Um, before we close the book on the hangover, I've just got to ask you guys. I know you've been defending and prosecuting. What are your actual thoughts on the matter? I feel I feel pretty annoyed it's on the hit list to be honest. <laughs> I think it's horrible. Uh, like I, I you know I watched it I watched it once before and then I watched it again and I couldn't couldn't agree more with everything Gav was saying about the misogyny and, and racism. At the start I was like oh what's my problem with this film? It's like you know it's really good like you know it's just a bit of fun but, you know I've just got to chill out a little bit. And then as the film goes on you're just like oh no that is like really that's just horrible you know that's. And in the sort of, I know the mean comedy is part of its thing that it was going, you know, American comedy was doing that at that time. But it's just like the misogyny, just the way women are like, are either shrew, intelligent shrews, or like dumb and, you know, prostitutes and promiscuous. It's just, it just really couldn't find the jokes funny after a certain point. And yeah, no, so uh, I, could, I, could, I could go on for ages, but then just. Uh, couldn't disagree with the judgment more. Joel, what do you think? Um, yeah, so I'm probably the polar opposite, to be honest. I think it's a really funny film. I think I a lot of the comedians I like kind of look like on the edge, like a lot of the jokes might be kind of, um, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit. They might be about race and they might be, you know, about sex, but it doesn't always mean you can have a joke about race and it cannot be racist. Um, and I just think it's one of them films that you just don't take too seriously and um, you know even though it kind of harks on about kind of plot holes and all that type of stuff um, exactly what Alex said kind of described in the film you know when you watch it the first time none of that stuff really matters because it's just a funny film um, it's kind of like American Pie I mean the guy like shoves his knob in a pie at the end of the day <laughs> you had to get that into <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean if, if you're watching that 
that's never going to happen in real life. There's never going to be a kid. Or is it? <laughs> a kid that does that. You haven't had dessert yet, mate. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that, that's kind of a, a, around the lines that I'm going on. I just think it's a funny film. You're not meant to take it seriously. Um, not that the other stuff doesn't matter, but I just say it's just not a serious film. Um, I pretty much the exact same as Alex in that I last time I watched it I didn't think it was that great. And first time it came out in cinema I thought, wow, this is a good film. And the second time I watched it a few years later I was like, ooh, this isn't that good. And then when we watched it the other night I did start thinking, oh, actually, you know, it's, it's not that bad. And as the film kind of unraveled, it was kind of, oh yeah, no. I, I don't actually like this film. It's just, it's just, it's just leaves yeah. bad taste a bit by the end. To me, I mean, um, there's, there's a, a difference between an exotic dancer and a sex worker, which the characters in the film don't seem to understand. Um, as you said before, about this sort of two caricatures of women there. Um, really bad. I mean, there's that test, isn't there, where um, uh, two female characters and spend a minute of screen time talking to each other not about a man and then that means the film is not sexist and so that's a test that a lot of films fail uh, I don't actually think there was a single point in this film that, where there was two female <laughs> characters in the same screen yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah I, I didn't really like it for that to be honest um, I, I thought you know some of the jokes in it were funny but as I said earlier I think a lot of it was down to Zach Alphacus so I think it's, it's just a funny guy um, yeah. I think the character was a really really good one but apart from that if you take him out of the film then would the film still be as funny probably not right. Yeah. I've, got, I've got a question because I didn't I just didn't want to watch the Hangover 2 or 3 after the Hangover mm. are they as good? no like the two? no I didn't the second one yeah because I would imagine like it didn't it, well, it, it, it goes downhill it's like a, a reasonably steep slow three is just absolute trash two well, why is three so bad? Like, what is it about? it's just not funny you, you know it's kind of the same thing but without the comedy so just imagine a film without laughing I mean that's pretty much what you were doing no the second half yeah yeah Yeah. the first half was like oh what's the problem like you know what's wrong with it and then just like well there is a problem the second film does what so many kind of um, studios do when they have a really successful film and try and just catch the cow Cash the cow, milk the cash cow. <laughs> cash the cow is what Jack of the Beans stuff yeah. did. Cash the cow for beans. <laughs> cash the cow for beans. Yeah. Um, and they basically just made the exact same film again. Yeah, it was in Thailand. It was Bangkok. So, yeah, it was the exact same film. In fact, it would be, because I, I thought it was horrible when I watched it, I saw it in cinema, and I haven't seen it since. But I'd like to go back and watch it again to see if the same sort of sexism and racism and homophobia is right throughout the second one as it was with the first. Because I think it's, in fact, bigger. So I've just realised that we didn't do Alex's bit of trivia of the week. So Alex, do you have any trivia on the hangover? I do. My piece of trivia is this. In real life, Mike Tyson actually owns seven tigers. My words. That is a bit much, that isn't it? I think it's just covering it back. 
I'd say three would be acceptable if he had uh, a zoo uh, or, or somewhere to, to keep them. I imagine he's just got seven big kind of Siberian tigers running around his mansion in the costume. Yeah. I wonder if you believe someone's probably not losing. <laughs> 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 I didn't if he was uh, not a good game. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so there we have it, The Hangover. It's the first film to be added to the hit list. Mm. So I I thought it was going to join Alien 3 and Pirates of the Caribbean 4 on the old shit list there, but I was, I was hoping that I didn't have a See, that's what happens sometimes if we actually hate a film and you end up defending it and end up doing a decent job. So we, um, we, we've actually drawn uh, from the pot for um, the next film to be reviewed and coincidentally it's the one that's celebrating its 20th day this year. It's Con Air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90s Nicolas Cage classic. Um, so also uh, judging it is going to be me. Um, defense is going to be Dave. Ooh, that'll be a good one for the company. I'm not feeling quite confident. Uh, prosecution is going to be Alex. Yeah. Equally good. Equally confident. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that means character witness is going to be yourself, John. Yeah, it's uh, it's Nick Cage, so it could go either way, couldn't it, really? Yes. I <laughs> 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 really put my character in character witness there, John. That was filmed on trial. We just want to say thank you very much to everybody who has listened. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, please give us a like. Please give us a share. Um, you can get all of our social media details from the link below. So this week was The Hangover, which surprisingly ended up on the hit list. Let's find out if Conair can do the same next week. Thank you very much, everybody, and goodbye.